If you look around, you may see other people with this t-shirt on. Uh, And right at the bottom, you'll see it says our tagline, right? Simple, authentic Jesus. You really can't be a part of uh, Prairie Bible for very long and not be confronted with simple, authentic Jesus. It's on our sign outside. If you've been in the prayer room, you'll see we've got simple, authentic Jesus on some plaques in there. Uh, Our social media, simple, authentic Jesus is a reflection of of the culture of Prairie Bible. We could have used other words maybe, but those are a pretty beautiful uh, representation of who we are as a church. Um, But today what I want to do is I want to focus on just one of those words, the one right in the middle. I want to focus on the word authentic. What does it mean to be authentic? Well, I remember uh, many, many years ago I was in college and I was beginning to wrestle with a call to ministry, and it, I, I wrestled, I'm telling you, because I, as I've said many times, it kind of come, become a joke that uh, I didn't grow up going to church, which meant one of the things that it, that meant was that I didn't have a whole lot of uh, uh, role models for what a pastor ought to be or, or look like or how they should act. But what I knew was that the ones I did, I was aware of, I didn't act or look like them. And I, Lord, I, I, what, what am I, how do I fit into that mold? And I mean, I like to wear my hair long and I like to, to ride motorcycles. I like to wear shorts and sandals and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I remember I, I, this vivid image or thought came into my mind and I knew it was from the Lord at the time because it gave me such peace. I remember him saying to me, Craig, just be yourself. Just, I don't want you to be like any of these people that you're trying to be like. Be who you are. Be authentic. And, and I'm telling you right now, that is one of the reasons why I love being a part of Prairie Bible Church. Because we are authentic. And that's a good thing. Now, having said that, I will say that just because we are authentic doesn't mean that everybody's going to like the authentic you or the authentic me, right? And guess what? Being authentic can mean different things as well. I mean, you can be authentically bad. Did you know that? So there's got to be something else um, that goes along. This like we have simple authentic Jesus, authentic is in the middle. There's, there are other things that need to go along with the word authentic for it to be good. And today, uh, I'm going to share with you another word that often needs to be combined with the word authentic for it to be good. Uh, for those of you who are guests or visitors with us uh, today, uh, we um, have dedicated 2023 to the study of the parables of Jesus, and we're continuing that journey today. And we're going to be looking at a parable that has traditionally been known as the parable of the two sons. Now, um, you don't want to get confused about this one. This one is a real, this is really only about two or three verses. So you may not even be familiar with it, but I'm telling you, there's something uh, authentically good that can be found in it. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to uh, Matthew chapter 21, it's going to be starting verse 28. I think that's found on page 982 of your church Bibles, if that's what you're using. Uh, and as 
Uh, Billy likes to say we love it when our, when our Bibles go missing. If you need a Bible, take a Bible home. And one of the things I said at the uh, first service is, use your Bibles. Don't be afraid to write in your Bibles. Don't be afraid to underline in your Bibles because what will end up happening is not only will that bless you, but there will, be, there will come a day when someone will see your Bible. And do you want them to see that it's been used? One of the ways is to write notes, thoughts. What are the, what, how is the Lord speaking to you? Just write it in the, in the margins. Underline things. And someday somebody will look at that Bible and they'll begin to see a, a reflection of you in the reflection of Jesus. So, use your Bibles. All right, one of the things I say every week is how important it is to look at context when it comes to Scripture. And um, I've, when I was looking at the context for this particular parable today, I found it beautifully ironic. Because the parable that we're going to be looking at today occurs, Jesus preached it in the middle of Holy Week. So, what you have here, the, the irony of it is, is we all know that Holy Week begins with Palm Sunday, right? We talk about that every year. We know that Palm Sunday was the day when people were so excited and exhilarated about Jesus that they threw a parade in His honor, right? They were so excited about Jesus that they composed songs and chants in His name. Hallelujah! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, right? Awesome stuff. It was, it, was a, it was a great day that had to have given Jesus great joy, except that from Sunday to Friday, the same people who were saying, hallelujah, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, on Friday were saying what? Crucify him. So I, it causes me to ask the question, were these people, was the praise of the people on Sunday authentic? Or was the curses on Friday authentic? Because many of the same people, right? So which is it? Um, the frightening thing to me is that they were probably authentic both times. A lot of them. And I say that it's frightening because it kind of uh, illustrates the human condition how quick we are. Apply just a little bit of pressure and we move from hallelujah to crucify Him. Just like that. That is the human condition. And it is frightening. So, it was in the middle of that week between the hallelujahs and the crucify me that Jesus preaches this little teeny parable about the two sons. Matthew chapter 28, or 21, starting at verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, um, there was a, a father who had two sons. And one day he went to the first son and he said, son, I want you to go to work for me in the vineyard. And the first son responds to the father and says, I will not go to work in the vineyard. And the son, or the the father uh, goes away and the son thinks about it a little more and, and decides, I will. I will obey the father. And he goes into work in the vineyard. And then the, it says that the father goes to talk to the, 
the second son and he says, son, I want you to go to work for me in the vineyard today. And the son says, yes, sir. But he doesn't. And then Jesus asks the question, which of the two sons does the will of the father? Now, the answer to the question is, is obvious, right? Um, which makes me wonder, why did he even ask it? Because the answer is obvious. But what I want to share with you a, another truth that is found in this story that may not be quite as obvious. It should be. But I, I'm questioning whether or not you have considered it. And that... that perhaps not so obvious truth is this, both sons were rebellious, disrespectful, and disobedient. Both sons were. Now, one was rebellious, uh, disobedient, and disrespectful at the beginning. The other one was rebellious, disrespectful, and disobedient at the end. But they were both um, sinners. They were both Bad kids, if you will, right? Which then begs the question, what, what, is, what really is the difference between the two sons? Well, the first thing that I would suggest to you that is different is this. Son number one was authentic. He was authentically rebellious, disrespectful, and disobedient, but he was authentic, right? The second son was not. He said one thing and did the other. He was inauthentic. He was a hypocrite. Now, no matter what, I mean, we can, the thing about this parable that has always kind of bothered me a little bit is that I could sell, even though I wasn't in the middle of it, even though I, I understood that the obvious truth of this was that the first son did the will of the father, there was always something that bothered me about it. And the, what bothered me was that even the first son, even though he did the will of the father, he was still disrespectful and disobedient and rebellious. When my children would do that when they were little, oh was not a good thing. But it bothered me even more when they would say, sure, Dad, I'll do that. And then they never did it. Drive me nuts. The first one was authentic. The second one wasn't. But they were both bad. They were both disrespectful disobedient and rebellious. So, there's got to be something more. There's got to be more to this story that we need to be pulling out of it. So, if authenticity isn't the important thing in the story, what is? What is the, the primary difference between son number one and son number two? I can, I can sum it up for you in one word. Repentance. The major difference. They were both bad kids. They were both disrebellious and disobedient. We all are. They were both those things. 
But the, the real difference between son number one and son number two was son number one repented. Now, as I said at the first service, that is, that's a word that we use quite a bit here at Prairie Bible, but culturally you don't hear about it very often. It is, it is not politically correct to talk about repentance. It's not politically correct to, to uh, talk about the fact that you are sinners, but you are, and so am I. We, 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 we live in a culture where we need to affirm people, right? But I'm telling you right now, the, one of the most abusive things that we can do is to affirm sin. Because it just leads to more pain. Do you hear that? Repentance is the calling people to repentance is one of the most loving things that anyone can do. And in this parable, God is calling us to repent. He was lifting up the fact that the, that the first son was willing to repent and, and turn from his sinful way to the Father's will. That's called repentance. Now, I'm going to say right now that you, I don't know how much of this you're relating to, but I'm going to tell you that this little teeny parable is filled with truth and grace and good news for you. Because this little teeny parable is all about you. It's all about me too. You see, one of the biggest mistakes that you will ever make when, if you are a, a, a reader of the Bible, if you are one who wants to be a student of the Bible, if you fail not to apply the truths that you find in a passage to your own life, you have failed completely. What's the point? It's not just a story. You must figure out how it applies. And let me, let me tell you how simply and beautifully this parable applies to you and to me. Number one, truth. The truth of the matter is, all of us, at one point or another, have been both sons. All of us, at one point or another, have been uh, authentically rebellious. Disobedient and disrespectful. Every single one of you have, and so have I. But we have also been the second son. When we have uh, said one thing and done the other, when we have uh, done that which we know we shouldn't do. The Apostle Paul was, remember, he said, I don't understand myself, or I do the things that I hate, but I do not do the things that I want. That's the second son, right? And all of us do that, which leads us to grace. It doesn't come as a a surprise for even a second to God that that's who you are. He knows that you are disrespectful, rebellious, and disobedient, and He loves you anyway. That is good news. That is the best news, isn't it? That grace that God offers you, even though you are a hot mess. He loves you in spite of all that stuff. Now, here's, remember earlier when I was talking about 
um, the, how easy it is for us to, to go from hallelujah to crucify Him. When I think about that, I, see, in some ways, I'm more shocked by my, my own behavior than God is shocked by my own behavior. I, I, sometimes I'm disgusted by my own lack of integrity. But He's not. He loves me in spite of it. And He does you too. You know, when you're talking before about um, the crowd that went from hallelujah to crucify Him, you want to know who was a part of that crowd? A, a guy that maybe you've heard about before. His name was Simon Peter. Oh, maybe Simon Peter didn't, um, didn't on Friday you know, crucify Him like everybody else did, but he did deny Him three times, didn't he? See, he was a hypocrite too. So what was the difference between Simon Peter and the crowd? Repentance. He repented. And not only did Jesus forgive him, but Jesus used him and the other disciples who, who ran away and hid when the heat got turned up. He used them. He loved them and he used the hot mess that they are for the hope of spreading the gospel. Now my guess is that at some, there are some of you who are sitting in church today, maybe some of you are listening online and you're listening to a lie. The lie that says, okay, I believe what you're saying, Craig, but you don't understand just how big a mess, how big a a, a a sinner I am. How rebellious, disobedient, and respectful I have been. There's no way God could want me or would want me because I'm such a mess. That's a lie. He loves you and He wants you. And the only thing that He's waiting for is for you to repent, to turn towards Him. That's what it means to repent, right? To turn from sin towards the Father's will. Now, my suspicion is that there are others of us who are listening to another lie in the other ear from the devil. It's just as big a lie as the other one. There are some of us sitting in the room today or listening online who believe that I don't have anything to repent of. I'm in church today. I pray once in a while. I've checked all of the religious boxes. What do I have to repent of? Well, let me ask you a question. It says in James chapter 4, verse 17, it says, if you know the good you ought to do, but do not do it, that is sin. If you aren't doing what Jesus has called you to do, regardless of whether you're in church or praying or whatever other religious thing you think is, has made you well. If you're not saying yes to Jesus, you are a rebellious, disrespectful, disobedient 
child. And it's time to repent. So how does that work? Because it's so unfamiliar, we talk about it a lot here, but let me just reaffirm for you. First is to confess that that's what you are. You're a sinner. And then ask Him to forgive you. And just like that, He does. Because all the work that was necessary for you to be forgiven was done on the cross, right? It's not, you see, if you think you're the one that's got to clean up the, the hot mess that you are before God, no, that's the lie. He has done all that is necessary for you to be redeemed. Confess, ask forgiveness, and turn. Follow Jesus. Everybody needs to to make that conscious decision. Everybody needs to pray that prayer. Now, whether or not you need to pray that prayer with me, of course you don't, but you need to do it. Right over there is our prayer room, and if you would like to pray that prayer with your pastor, it would be my privilege, but you don't need me. You can do that, just you and the Lord. If there's something else in your life that you would like prayer for with your pastor, I'd be glad to pray about those things too. I'll be right over there.